Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Word About Wealth, a podcast where we tackle the often complicated world of money and finance. My name is Kevin. And this is Van. What we do here on this podcast is have a casual conversation about everything surrounding money and finance. We'll give examples and just basically talk about anything that's on your mind. Oh, anything, huh? That's right. Changing it okay. up, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it is important to note here that we are not financial advisors, nor do we pretend to be. What we share on this podcast should be taken as general education and financial entertainment and must not be misconstrued as official financial advice. That is correct, man. How are you, my friend? I'm doing okay. You feeling better? Yes. We're okay. We're okay. Trying to understand how things are happening in this, this crazy world that's happening right now, right? Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like things keep changing. And I, I mean, the last count I saw was like over 200,000 people in America. I mean, I think we're number one now <laughs> in, yeah, in the not... in number of COVID-19 cases. Oh, but geez. that's nuts. That's pretty, but, it's pretty gnarly. But I, I'm pretty sure that China is cooking the books, though, man. Like, <laughs> there's no way that. Say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to be a, cons- uh, I'm not trying to be conspiratory. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know, whatever the, the proper way of saying that is. I mean, it just seems kind of unbelievable that they have less than we do. And maybe and I, even for America, I, I would imagine that the number is even more just because there's not as sure. much testing kits available. Right. Yep. And yep. if people are staying at home, I mean, they're not reporting themselves. So, yeah, <laughs> it's Good just. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just kind of like I said, it's just pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Van, on your on your personal life, everything kind of staying the same. You're still working at home. Um Kids are still at home. School is still out. Is that still pretty accurate? Yeah, no new news. Uh, I know um, the work has just put us on the one week furlough, and uh, not this week, but the week after. So oh, um, yeah, yeah, so that's something that I mean, I, I, I'm going to just treat it as like a mini vacation, just because it's kind of it'll be, it'll be t- uh, good just to get my kids and uh, put full attention on my kids instead of like one one eye on the laptop <laughs> and then yeah. like another eye on the kids. So you know, true. so I I'm so actually. Cool. I'm actually taking it as an opportunity just to get the kids out of my wife's hair <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I think I know it's, yeah, I know it's been most tough for my wife actually, just because my kids are so they're, they're really just clinging to my wife. And if I can just take Aww. them outside in the backyard to play and like games with them and all that, I think that that'll help not only clear my head, but also uh, get the kids something to do and also have my wife rein in some sanity. Let's put it that way. Well, that's good. Hopefully, uh, but you guys have a nice pool, which is nice. Right, I've been, you guys been using yeah. that a lot. I mean, it's still a little cold to uh, jump into the pool, but we do have the little spa hot tub thing that we use from time to time. Oh, nice. Well, that's uh, must be nice, my friend. Must yeah. be nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I prior to buying the place, I was kind of like I was already kind of against the pool, but now I'm starting to see the merits of it. And yeah, my wife For was like, sure. "Told you, told you, yeah, yeah." <laughs> How about yourself, sir? I mean, is are things still going the same, or I mean, yeah, um, any any much. new op- information in the office at all? No, it pretty much uh, everybody is still working from home. Business is still fairly much at a standstill from a, a seller, like a, our client side, because we work with a lot of uh, retailers, like malls, uh, like Nordstrom Rack, and they're they're not open. And if they're not open, they're not selling. And they're not selling, they're not buying. So that's. It's been tough. I'm not gonna lie. And you know, actually, Man, how stressful has today, that been, though? What's that? How stressful has that been? I would imagine that's just yeah, it's, really rich. You know, we talked we talked about it on our previous episode about how you know 
pros and cons of running a business. There's a lot of good stuff, but this is the, the downside of it, you know? So yeah, it's stressful, but you just kind of, the best thing that we can do is kind of assure our staff and assure our clients, but ultimately what's going to happen, what's going to need to happen really is for business to feel like we're starting again. It just feels like we're, we're in this holding pattern for a long time, as is America. Uh, I feel like right now everybody's staying at home and until that changes, you know, business is going to continue to be impacted, I think, uh, across the board. So, I'm kind of curious, though. So, I mean, I know this is, you know, this whole pandemic is kind of unprecedented. I mean, other than like what the uh, SARS and, um, you know, the mm-hmm. Spanish influenza back in the early 1900s and all that. But but we still had a lot of like ups and downs in our economy and all that, especially, you know, back in 2008 and all that. I mean, were, are you guys kind of employing the same type of tactics like you did back then to survive this mess? Or is it just a totally new paradigm that is just something? Yeah, it really was quite at least again, I I wasn't quite as involved in running the business during those periods, but I certainly think that the fact that malls, you know, Disneyland, like we, Van and I live really close to Disneyland is closed. Uh, malls have been closed. I mean, sporting events, NBA, you know, NFL, NHL, all canceled right now, uh, or MLB. So, I, I just think it's a different level, at least. Um, you know, I was talking to my friends the other day. I was like, hey, you know, what, where were we when some of those pan- other pandemics happened? And I guess, you know, we were too young to remember, but, you know, it was impactful. But I think the inability for countries to have controlled this better um, is very daunting for a lot of people. And I think businesses clearly are going to make the best decision to to kind of survive and try to just weather through the storm as best they can. But it's challenging, not going to lie. It's really, really challenging. Right. And I mean, this is kind of the other part of the CARES Act that's, um, that's happening now to kind of help these small businesses and big businesses, right? Yeah. And that's really what uh, this episode is going to be about today. So Van kind of great gave a great overview of the individual side of the CARES Act. And I'm going to do my best to follow in right. his now, footsteps. Now it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's my turn to be on the hot seat to talk about the business side. And, you know, Van and I decided to split it up this way because the specific programs that is in the CARES Act um, is actually something that we're going through currently as a business. We're applying for it right now. So Van thought this might be a good time to kind of share um, how our experience has been so far with the care, uh, with this side, the business side of the CARES Act and kind of give an overview of top line. There's a lot of different complexities to it, but some top line overviews for any small business owners or people who may be working um, in a decision-making role at a business, perhaps this could be important for you. Right. And this is something that I had to, I'm always been business challenged to say the least. And it's something I know with the personal finance side is kind of my bread and butter, but on the business side, I almost know zero <laughs> about this. And I think this is where, you know, we can l- listen to some of Kevin's ep- um, expertise on this um, no, to kind know of, you know, that, he, but... you, you, you can school me a little bit on this. <laughs> let's put it pull. that way. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that. I think Van, Van is always uh, giving himself not enough credit on that. I think Van knows a lot about business, but I'll try to, I'll try to fill in the gaps as best I can. So, sure, Van, sure. so I, so the, the biggest part of the, the business side of the CARES Act is something I call triple P. Okay. Triple P, not yep. triple H. Not, not triple H, not triple H, but uh, triple P because it stands for the Payroll Protection Program. That is really the big 
vehicle here in this bill that helps small businesses. Um, so what it is, is really at the end of the day is really a loan. This number, the interest rate on this loan has changed uh, kind of back and forth quite a bit, but ultimately it is a 1% fixed loan that can be deferred for the first six months of the loan. And the, lo- the length of the loan is going to be a two-year agreement. Now, the whole point of the payroll protection program is exactly what it sounds like. It's to protect payroll, to keep people or keep businesses from firing or laying off employees. Right. So, I mean, was this a little bit different? Because I kind of recall that um, when I first read about the, you know, the triple P, uh, (laughs) the loan terms were a little bit different. So, was there, has there been some updates to the bill to uh, make it like 1%? Because I thought it was like half a a percent or something like that. Was Was it not? It it was absolutely half a percent. So, you definitely um, weren't wrong in seeing that. But I think towards the latter half of getting the guidance out on this over the, literally actually the last two days, um, we're recording on April 4th. And, uh, like literally two days ago, this rate changed because there's a lot of pushback and a lot of people were concerned that the government really wasn't charging a rate that was competitive, I should say. And they raised it to 1% to, I think, account for some of the potential losses and, and to ensure several things. Some of the banks who are going to be lending this out, uh, was kind of complaining on some of this stuff. And I'll get to that kind of that point in, in a little bit, but Ultimately, it is first and foremost a loan. And this loan is actually going to be not administered by the government, but it is actually an SBA loan, which uh, Van, you know, is stands for Small Business Administration, which is an arm of the federal government. Um, and they're going to be administering the loans, but they're not going to ask businesses to apply to them directly. But they're actually working with private banks, like a Chase, like a Wells Fargo, Bank of America, you name it, um, who are actually going to be lending the actual money out to small businesses. So, it's kind of what is called a private, uh, let me get this right, a public-private partnership. Um, But because of that, it's been a mess, man. I'm going to tell you, it's a mess. It's it's an (laughs) absolute mess. So, but there's a, one important thing about this loan other than the low interest rate and all that. But um, did you mention that it was, uh, I heard that it was forgiven. Uh, this loan is forgivable, right? That is correct, my friend. So, this is the, the big kicker is that you can get this loan forgiven at the end of it if you adhere to what they wanted to accomplish, which is to ensure that people uh, do not lose their jobs or businesses make sure that they're not laying off employees. So the question that all of us as small businesses uh, wanted to ask was, well, well, what is the amount of the loan that I can get? Because according to the law, you can get a loan up to $10 million, which is Ooh, wow. a whole lot of money, right? So I'm thinking, yeah. oh, hey, $10 million forgiven? Sign me up for that. But <laughs> that's uh, then, as you can imagine, is not the case. So they actually have a specific formula to calculate what you are able to get. And what you need to do as a small business is you need to go look at 2019 and you need to calculate what your average payroll was per month and then essentially times that by two and a half. Mm, oh, okay. so, sorry. Uh, sorry. 2.25. Like 25% additional or stuff like that, right? Correct. So, basically, it's going to be... So, I kind of gave an example. If I have an average payroll per month in 2019 of $70,000, right? Um, You actually need to... uh, You can get... It's basically two months 
of your average monthly payroll cost from 2019 plus an additional 25% on top of that. So if you have mm. an average payroll in 2019 of 70,000, you're going to times that by two for two months to get you 140K. And then you're going to times that 140K by another 25%, which would give you a landing number of 175,000 in a loan that could potentially be forgiven. So as you can imagine, man, 175,000 is not chump change. I mean, that's huge no, for not my business. Um, it, it literally, you know, I'm kind of curious though. So we, you know, in the last episode, we talked about that the uh, stimulus check is um, free money. And in many cases, it's only just um, to cover like the basic necessities or, you know, it's not really meant to like uh, to sustain you for a long time. But um, in this case, I mean, is it really meant to sustain you for these two months plus some change? Or I mean, what what is really the, the crux of this? So the, the, the tricky part of all of this is the guidance is still kind of not clear on how the money can be used, right? And, and what I mean by that is if you you can get the loan just as a pure loan, right? Because we talked about the 1% over two years. That's, Van, you would say 1% on a loan is pretty good, right? I mean, I, mean I, I would try to not get any loans, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in general, you're right. Yeah, one percent loan is yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's fantastic loan. So I mean, let's, if if you want to borrow money, it's, it's pretty good. Let's put it that way. Man still looks down on you. I'm just kidding. Um, but that hundred seventy five thousand, if you wanted to use it for running your business, whatever you want to do, um, it's a great way to do it that way. But the catch is, if you want the hundred seventy five thousand, I'm using my kind of this uh, hypothetical example, right? Um, 175,000, if you use it, if you want to make sure that it is forgiven, meaning you get that tax, well, actually, I don't know if it's going to be tax free, but it's going to be, you don't have to pay it back. You have to use that 175,000 to cover payroll. Right. You have got to be able to cover payroll. Now, the the disclaimer on this is they did say that you could potentially use it for interest on your mortgage, uh, rent, and utilities. So these are core, core fixed cost expenses for running a business. But there is language in there that is kind of a gray area. They're saying outside of payroll, you may not get 100% forgiven. So let's say that 175000 example that I said, let's say 100000 of that 175000 is payroll, right? And you use the remaining 75,000 for rent or utilities or whatever. The government is basically saying is I'm not guaranteeing you that I'm going to ask for, or I'm going to forgive you on the 75,000. I'll give you a percentage, but it may not be the whole thing. So that's where it gets tricky. So to your original question of what is this, can this sustain you? Absolutely. I think 175,000 for any business should be able to sustain if you're in the small business section now. Right. But I guess my, my point is like, um, because they're basing it off of two uh, average two month, um, payroll. Right. And then, right. So to me, like, I mean, let's assume that you don't have that big of uh, cash reserves and all that. So, you know, it sounds like it's really meant to sustain you for two months, but the problem is like, if this uh, you know pandemic lasts for, let's say like six months, then you still got to cover, you know, somehow cover the other four months got that it. you don't get yep. this. Right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, they, they're hoping you will extend uh, your resources to cover and not let people go. But to your point, yeah, um, if, you're, if your payroll is that 
you're not going to get much more and you're probably going to have to go and start laying people off even after that. Um, right. But if you laid people off, don't then it's not forgiven at that point, right? Because exactly. I would imagine you have to exactly. keep your so staff you got, at a certain time. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to make that kind of determination of, is it worth it for me to do this or is it not? You know, because it ultimately comes down to that cost benefit analysis. I can tell you what we're trying to do, which is, we are in the situation where we don't have to lay people off immediately, right? But to your point, how long does this uh, situation continue? Because at some point, if orders and people aren't buying stuff, ultimately, you're going to have to start making that decision to lay people off. And that's a challenge. But for us right now, we don't think it should, like, for instance, we think business should start ramping up again towards the holiday season, meaning like September, October, November, right? So, And that's when you make your most money in your business, I would imagine. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And if that's the case, I, will, I would want to make sure that I still have all the staff that I have today. So I'm thinking this is a great time to bridge the hurt and the pain that I'm going to have for the next couple months when it's going to be really tough to make sure that I maintain this staff, make necessary budget cuts in every in other areas of the business as much as i can just get us through just get us through um so it makes sense for us a company like us but to your point if you have another business who maybe is like i'm barely making ends meet i can keep my staff if i have this money but i can only sustain them for two months i may as well not apply for it right yeah because otherwise you have to pay that back otherwise you have to pay it back exactly so um, I kind of jumped around here, but yeah, I kind of wanted to pull back, uh, you know, but those are great questions, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still very complex because the guidance is still not hundred percent done, which is why I said, this is a mess. Um, right. but I wanted to kind of jump back a little bit to the kind of the, 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 the larger overviews. Um, I mentioned earlier, like who can apply? It's basically all businesses, including nonprofits, um, veterans organizations, tribal businesses, sole proprietorships, even self-employed employee, uh, independent contractors can apply to get some of that money. So I thought sole proprietorships, I mean, in sole proprietorship, can you have employees in that type of business? So sole proprietor, you could set it up so that um, you yourself are an employee of the company. Right. And technically you are on payroll. But again, I, I don't know. I don't know how much money you would be able to really garner from something like this. You know, again, I it just it does seem like it's helping more for larger, not larger, but medium, you know, small to medium businesses that are employing more than five people is to me the target audience for this, because ultimately what the government is trying to ensure is not laying people off because they know that if the if people just start laying people off then the tax on the well not welfare system but on the you know unemployment on uh you know medical assistance uh, uh all these things that tax the system that's where your economy starts to really crumble so they're trying to say keep these people employed here we'll help you do so because then you know they still have benefits they still have you know insurance and all the stuff that does keep the economy moving, especially during this tough time. 
Right, especially since that um, you know a lot of the projections for the um, unemployment rate is going uh, is going to be like you know around thirty percent. So really, they're exactly. trying to mitigate, um, make that as small as possible, then keep people employed. So that you're right, like it doesn't become like a national welfare uh, you know pandemic exactly. at that point. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be real tough if everybody was being laid off because they just couldn't, you know, businesses was were operating. I do find it interesting that out of the $2 trillion, uh, you know, but 250 billion is goes to small businesses. But to me, like I thought, I mean, it's, uh, tell me if I'm tr- it's true, but if all the, uh, are all the small businesses proportionally from the two trillion, you know, so because I know 250 billion goes to small business and 500 billion goes to b- large business. I mean, is that proportionally like, you know, correct? to to apply towards small and large business i mean do, do you have any idea i i feel like i would be guessing but i mean i I, I, I would imagine that uh, what was the number you said was for big so businesses it's again? To, uh, it's just 500 billion 500 billion got it got it yeah hard to say hard to say mm, okay yeah but 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 uh, i mean but the portion that you're talking about is really for smaller businesses that have uh, 500 uh, employers or lower than that is that correct, correct right yeah which it can be a lot of businesses right man i mean right. know, 500 is still decently sized um so you can imagine why that 10 million dollar cap is there you know because there could be some people whose average payroll in two months times you know 25 percent more could be around that number um so it does cover quite a bit of businesses out there, but it, it truly is trying to get after the people who are on the cusp of laying people off because they don't have enough. Um, they just, they're really getting hammered. So that's really what Got this it. bill, this payroll protection program is aimed at. Now, the ironic thing is, you know, as this was happening, we work in the fashion industry, right? So, you know, think about all the Nordstrom Macy's, you know, DSW warehouse, like DSW shoes, you know, those, these retail in, industries, well, they're all over the 500 number, right? And the, all those employees are furloughed. Like I heard Kohl's was furloughing like 100,000 employees, Macy's 100,000. So it's like, it, it's, it's ironic in the sense you're saving the small businesses, but the big businesses, you're thinking, oh, they have enough cash to over to kind of get them through. But they're the ones who's who's really adding to the unemployment pile now because they're furloughing everybody uh, because they're trying to meet margin. Yeah, I've even seen like a news rep- a real report about um, Cheesecake Factory, like not yeah. being able to like pay rent in, in a lot of Isn't the locations bizarre? and all that. I just I, yeah. I find that our father-in-law loves cheesecake factory yeah <laughs> it's just like how can yeah. you go one month without being able to pay but it it's 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 tough you know it's really really tough but right so yeah uh but yeah it, it basically it covers 500 people in a below but i mean we're um i mean regardless though um a lot of uh, america does depend on a lot of the small businesses to really get the the gdp going and all that too i would imagine Absolutely. so Absolutely. so i think it's um i mean this bill is really to capture not you know on both sides of the spectrum Absolutely. i would imagine yeah exactly so is this something that we can apply now or i mean uh, have you guys started applying already or yeah, so we we started applying uh, as soon as this bill started to materialize even further. But the problem, as I said, why it's such a mess is because it's not. Here's an application from the SBA or the Small Business Administration, and then we apply. Right? It's not that easy. It's SBA had to first figure out the guidelines and then communicate that to local banks. 
around the country, of which there are obviously many. We know the major ones, Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, but there's also regional banks and uh, smaller banks, you know, community banks. And they all had to get all their systems set up to be able to probably, because you can imagine, right, Van, every business probably should be applying for this because it essentially is going to be helpful for these. And because of that, all these local banks are going to get slammed with applications. And Easy, yeah. the problem is it's not just an application. You have to also provide a set of documents to prove that what you are asking for on your loan can be backed by evidence and documents and documentation that shows that that is indeed what you paid out last year. So none of that stuff was very avail- uh, very clear until about a year, uh, a day ago. And what the, what's the funny thing is it started, the application officially was started being accepted by quote unquote, the SBA from the local banks on April 3rd, which was yesterday. And get, get this, none of the banks were ready. Yeah, yeah that's I not bet. a surprise. Yeah. And because of that, they've pushed out the window. Even though the loan is ready to be funded, uh, none of the banks were ready. N- not my bank. Our local bank was not ready for it. They're telling us, you got to wait until after the weekend. And maybe at that point, they'll have it ready. But imagine, like, people want to get all these applications done online, right? But to do that, they would have to create a landing page and and you know, being able to upload those documents. And that's really literally what was happening with uh, one of the banks we were working with, Chase. It's frankly a new process because they have to not only come up with the form, but also, um, you know, how do they process this form and what they need to look out for. And I mean, there's so many things that they have to get ready before they're even ready with all this. I mean, I, I I can't imagine. I mean, uh, when we refinance, uh, kind of a side tangent, but when we had refinanced our mortgage, um, it was with a smaller bank because they had provided like the best interest rate. And Mm -hmm. I literally, you know, I, the first paycheck, um, I couldn't even mail it to them. I actually, I mailed it to them, but then I made a mistake. (laughs) So instead of like fixing it online or over the phone, they told me to go to a branch and basically give them a check (laughs) to do so. And, you know, when I asked him, to write like oh how can i do like an extra payment they're like oh you gotta wait till this one like you know this original payment clears and then after that clears you can send in your secondary um principal payment i was like what the f (laughs) so i can imagine yeah i can imagine that um you know for something like you know uh, something that everybody's applying for like this um i mean these banks are just they're they're just not equipped for it at all right i mean just kind of like yeah, it's just like it's how really un- unequipped a lot of our medical facilities are. I mean, a lot of our banks aren't equipped to deal with this like surge and uh, surge of yeah, this surge. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And and what's what's interesting and that's absolutely right because um, we have bankers that we work with for our business, right? And you can just tell that um, you know we have these quote unquote called relationship managers, right? Who work with your uh, I guess your your clients. And then they make client visits and things like that. And you can just tell the amount of questions that they're getting because they're sending out BCC blanket emails, right? Where they're just not even addressing people individually. They're just saying like, hey, everybody, this is what's happening because they're just getting inundated with questions. And um, and he doesn't have answers because they're probably not ready for it, you know? So it's... It's, to me, still a mess, uh, but it does seem like it's getting better. Um, but the good thing is, for our folks, whoever's out there who is listening to this, is ultimately the the website, um, if you go to the sba.gov, um, you're going to have links on there that will tell you exactly what you need to uh, 
where the application is and where to apply. So that is the good thing. The problem is, again, it's not through the SBA. So while the SBA is great about that, local banks ultimately may have other documents that they're going to need. Um, so you don't have to go and figure out which bank you want to work with. And I mean, just think about like you're telling you. Yeah, just think about like whenever you apply for um, a car loan or a mortgage through different yep. banks. I mean, everybody kind of have a yep. different flavor on how exactly. to do that. So I would imagine exactly. this is the same. Exactly. So it's like a it's a, like kind of a pain in the butt, but it is very important because it can be quite a bit of money if uh, you do it right, and it could be very good for your business. So I mean, do you think for do you think for people who don't have relationships with their loan officers and all that? I mean, are they already at a disadvantage, or I mean, do you think that it doesn't matter at this point because uh, yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. going to be inundated regardless? I think if we recorded this episode a few days ago, I would have said absolutely it matters, but um, because that same it was basically a first come first serve system. So if you had a better relationship or you had an, a man, relationship manager that had more connections, you would probably be able to get your application in first and get it, ensure that you get the money. But uh, recently the treasury secretary of the treasury uh, announced that if they reached the cap on this, which was I think 350 billion or something like that was allocated for this program, um, they would then raise the limit. So oh, wow. ensures okay. more people will be able to get it. But, that requires a an act of Congress uh, to pass a bill to add another stimulus to raise it. So, technically speaking, it is a hard cap, but there is already a lot of uh, support for raising that cap if that were to be the case. So, I still say get in as soon as you can because it's it's it doesn't make sense for you not to do it unless, to your point, Van earlier, like Van mentioned, if you plan on not being able to keep your staff, then I suppose you should, then you have to make a determination if that's the case. But it ultimately is kind of like free money if you, as long as you're able to kind of keep it on during this time. And did they say how long do you have to keep your employees for for it to be forgiven? I mean, I imagine that it's, it, you have to keep them longer than the two months that... Yeah, it's through September. Through September yeah, uh, of, of this year. September of this year. So it's not a huge amount of time, but, you know, it to your point, it's still going to be, you know, what is that? April, May, June, July, August, you know, five right. months. Six, yeah. So five months of that, of which only two is going to be, well, two and, and some change, right? Because you got the 25% more. And then you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of that time. Right. And, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a call, but I would imagine more people are going to apply for it first and then kind of figure it out on the back end later um, how they can make it work. Right, because the fact of the matter is, even if they can't figure out to really like you know keep their employees and all that, I mean, it's still like a one percent loan that they could pay exactly. back, and I mean that's exactly. uh, that's almost exactly. as good as free money, almost. Exactly. So yeah, why, so in in your sense, yeah, why why not? Yeah, and so at the end of the day, the, the objective of this is really to protect jobs and workers. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And essentially they call it a loan, but if you do it right, as I, as we talked about, it really is a stimulus the same way that Van talked about the, the check. Basically, basically a grant in a way, right? If um, you follow all the rules, yeah. grant. Yeah. If you, as long as you do it right, you know, and this could be very good for small businesses. Um, and in that, I noticed that you put down um, SBA economic injury disaster loans and all that. I mean, is it, can you explain what that is? Yeah. So, um, again, if we recorded this two days ago, this wouldn't be um, 
something that we would have talked about because the prote- the payroll protection program, the triple P really is what most of the news has been about when it comes to the small business administration giving out these loans. But they actually have now solidified that language a little bit more because the SBA prior to the uh, coronavirus was also in the business of providing disaster relief for businesses. Like if you got hit by a tornado or or whatever, you know, there were businesses who would be impacted by disasters. And the SBA was there to provide what is called economic injury disaster loans or EIDL loans. And these were things that had already been in place, but they've retrofitted this to account for this, obviously, this current situation, which is also a much more widespread uh, disaster. So, but the way that they did it was also incredibly confusing because you had the you had the existing SBA EIDL, and then they created something called in the Act, in the CARES Act, an SBA EIDL advance. So, I wanted to take some time to really break these two things down. It's not really too complicated, but kind of bear with me. The EIDL not the advanced one, just the EIDL, was the original, the kind of disaster relief. The OG one, right? The OG one. (laughs) And that is basically a loan up to $2 million, which is huge. But at a rate of 3.75, which relatively speaking is still... Still relatively low, yeah. Relatively low. This is not going to be a forgiven loan, though. This is literally giving you a, a, a plan to be able to borrow money at a lower rate to help you in the recovery. You know, again, and this applies to this situation as well. Are these insurances or um, are these loans uh, funded by the government or are they also funded by um, like some private entity or I mean, how, how is that my, being done? Yeah, that's a good question. My understanding and reading through the website on the SBA is that this is through the, the federal government, through the SBA itself. Which okay is probably, you know, how it was done previously. Now, have they changed that to try to, you know, merge all these things together? It's perhaps possible because let's kind of jump down to the SBA EIDL Advance one, which was created specifically to help businesses quickly who may or may not qualify for a PPP but still needs assistance, right? So, right now... What that does is essentially gives you a 10K, 10,000, and that's the max, $10,000 advance to small businesses. And again, if you ensure that this is used to continue the operation of this business, that 10,000 would be forgiven to you. Hmm, So again, it comes down to that situation. Why you should, there's really no reason why you shouldn't be trying to uh, apply for this one. Now, in the form, these are two different applications, but yet they also ask you to merge some of the information together. So, this is where it gets real tricky and I just feel like it's it's bound to cause a lot of problems for small businesses because currently we don't really know if we qualify for this advance loan because we're doing PPP. Is it mm. more? Oh, you, can, you can't get both, you're saying? You can't get one or the other? Is that what Well, that's works? the question. It, it's, ah. it's not immediately clear because... It almost seems like you can because it alludes to that in the PPP application that they want to know if you want to add the advanced part of the EIDL onto that form, which is like, what? 
(laughs) It's, this is the stuff that, you know, and we're doing this in real time. So I I wish I had a better answer for you, Van, but it does seem like the best method to take is apply for all of it and see what you get. Sure. You don't ever have, you, you don't have to use it. That's the other thing you can think about, you know, you can just end up not using it. And, you know, again, it's a loan technically at this point in time, but I know that this is something that it does seem like based on the language as it stands now, you can do both. Now, you wouldn't want to do a PPP. You can certainly, not wouldn't, I should say, you can definitely do a PPP and the EIDL without the advance because those are two separate things. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes you sense. Can always, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're basically two separate loans, whereas um, the advance is really a grant. Exactly, exactly. That's a really good way to describe it. So it's like these are good tools, but, you know, communication is part of this challenge, you know, is how do you get small businesses who, you know, I'm thinking like somebody who runs a, a like a dry cleaning unit, you know, they may not be well versed in what's happening, right? You know, a lot of these are mom and pop shops. If do they, will they read all this information? Can they even have the, the time to do this? And can, do they have their documentation or so it really is well suited for businesses that kind of are keeping tabs of this and then ensuring that they have a partner that can actually create this stuff for them. Um, so, you know, ease of application and ease of usage is really important part of ensuring that you are getting the money to the people who actually need it most. Um, Interesting. those are kind of the three things that are out there for small businesses right now. Man, I mean, this influx, it kind of reminds me of back in 2009 and, you know, in the last financial crisis where a lot of people were, I think they had those basically like mortgage forgiveness or mortgage like um, assistance and all that. And I think people were being, you know, a lot of banks were being slammed with those as well. And to some point where the acceptance rate was like so low that it it was kind of like a BS plan until they, I think it came up with like Harp Harp 2.0 or something like that, where basically kind of revised it um, so that it was more people can actually qualify for it. And I'm wondering yeah. if this is going to be something similar because it sounds like the initial, you know, the initial take on this is just going to be well, way over uh, bearing for each of these banks to handle, it seems like. so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, like they all got it taken care of. But, you know, to your point, Vanna, it's, I don't know. I think it, there's going to be so many applications, like you said. And a lot of people are just going to, you know. Are you pretty optimistic about this? Or, I mean, what are your thoughts just going through this um, all yesterday? Well, as you guys know, I used to work for the government. And I always take things with the government for, with a grain of salt. <laughs> like, I just I just think, like, I, like I, I want to say, yeah, it's going to work out. But I, I just feel like it's, it's not going to be as simple as everybody might seem to think it is right now. I guess that's really my take is you should apply for it, but not use that as literally like your, your life raft, right? Yeah. Like you shouldn't count on that being hundred percent guarantee. And you know, like thinking, Oh, I'm fine for the next two months. It really is being like, so for instance, for on our side, while we are hopeful and you know, are optimistic that this might work, we are still making and planning as if we aren't getting that money and making the cuts that we need to make to ensure that our profit margin still stays somewhat manageable for this year, knowing that everything's going to be tougher. Um, and if this money comes in, great, that's just more money on top, but I'm not going to be waiting around hopeful, hoping that's going to happen. Because the other question is how soon will you even get this money? Who knows? That's great that you're in the position to do that, but I can imagine, yeah. I mean, that's probably why a lot of the restaurants, um, that are really getting impacted by this. Now they probably won't open again because 
they may not be in the position that you are, Kevin, to uh, you know, with all right. the margins and all that, right? So exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, I would say that for it's critical for really those businesses that kind of hang by a thread to you know get this loan out to kind of keep them afloat. But man, it's just kind of kind of overwhelming because I'm thinking that even with unemployment, I've read that there's a lot of people who are getting their unemployment checks kind of delayed just because of, you know, what you mentioned, like 6 million people who applied for it. So they're getting slammed as well. So it's just like any, it just seems like any kind of relief right now is getting slammed. So it, it sounds like it's going to take a while for you to get this and you need to have some other life raft available before you take this one on. Exactly. No, that's absolutely right. And it's just going to be it's going to be tough, you know, but, um, you know, at least I give the government credit in the sense that they have at least put something together to help small businesses that to the, to your point who can and afford to spend the time to get this right to at least help them save float. Cause I'll tell you from my experience, this, from my own personal experience going through this, seeing that this was coming through has drastically changed how I approached uh, potential furloughs or laying off staff. For sure. It does give me more to think about to say, oh, well, hold on there for a minute. And I think that's the point. As long as that's the objective, because it gave people like me who are in the position to let go or fire or, or, or keep people um, have pause. It gave me pause a little bit to say, well, hold on. Maybe I don't need to let someone go or reduce hours or whatever. And to that degree, it achieved what they were trying to trying to achieve. So, and to that degree, it's, you know, help. Uh, to, I give them credit for that, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. I know typically government isn't known to be speedy <laughs> about anything. No, but not at all. But not this, all. I think this bill, I mean, this kind of, our country has always been divided, especially in the Senate and the House of Representatives where, you know, things get, kind of get, not, in this, not only stalemate, but it's just nobody agrees with anything. But it's yep. good that they actually went together and, you know, made this bipartisan decision to pass this bill. Yeah. Yep. And it does seem like, at least as it pertains to future stimulus, there is already a, a working platform and consensus on what are the most important needs, which is good. So it looks like, you know, that at least will help uh, with the situation as it stands right now. But uh, that's kind of a small business. Uh, Van, I wanted to sh- also quickly talk about large businesses, but I yeah, don't spend yeah. as much time uh, because... Uh, I, I don't know how many people in this uh, podcast might be in that, uh, in the kind of what we call midsize or large businesses, but there is a loan out there um, that, again, we talked about 500 people and below can qualify for the triple P. Outside of that, you don't qualify. So, what do you do if you are one of those businesses like Amazon or Macy's or whoever? Um, they have actually put something called a midsize business loan program, which is catering to people who have 500 to 10,000 employees, which covers another chunk. That's kind of a missed opportunity. They could have called it like a triple M or whatever. Triple, <laughs> <laughs> so, triple O or whatever, right? Yeah. Exactly. They, that but, person, um, that person gets ten points, you know, deducted. <laughs> Man, Dan, I don't know who you're uh, giving these points to, but yeah, yeah, um, you're so generous. But it's okay. But this one, it sounds like it's for, really for the um, mid size, not really the large, even not even large size yet, right? Like over to ten thousand or whatever. Yeah, you're right. So maybe like in, less like an Amazon. <laughs> maybe it's, gotcha. it's more of somewhere in between with that. Um, but essentially, it is it is a direct loan uh, program for these businesses and nonprofits. Six month principal and interest deferred loan, two percent interest rate. So still a good interest rate, not as quite as good as the triple P. But it you know is again it could give 
those businesses with quite a bit of money, but there are similarly requirements. You have to be a U.S. business with significant operations here in the U.S., so you don't want to be supporting businesses that are not really operating here. Um, you have to show that you've been impacted by this climate, and then that you would actually, most importantly, though, it gets back to that same idea of, are you going to keep your workforce afloat? And the idea is you have to make sure to bring back your employment levels to no less than 90% of what that workforce was February 1st, 2020. Right. Um, and you and, have to keep that through September as well. And you actually had mentioned that maybe nobody would care about this, but actually this one I would think people would care about a lot just because yeah. it may impact whether or not your company is going to lay off people, really right? Especially, point. yeah, if this is Very something that your company is going to, uh, I mean, I know my company is um, having issues that otherwise they wouldn't have given us the reduction in pay and the furloughs and all that. But I mean, I, I would be interested to see if my company is going to for this type of loan. So that way they can, you know, stave off some, un, uh, some layoffs, at least in the short term. So that way yeah. I know that I have, uh, you know, at least a paycheck within the next few months. Um, but yeah, yeah I think, really I think this is actually, it's good to know that whether or not your company is doing it, so that way you can have some sort of comfort that, that you're not going to be let go because it, with this one, I mean, even though it's a loan, but there's still, uh, requirements for them to for the, these companies to make sure that they don't let go any of anybody in their payroll. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it, basically, at the end of the day, it's about ensuring that you are keeping these staff members um, from going into again taxing the the system of employment and medical and Cobra and all that stuff. So it really is about ensuring that you are maintaining employees. So. Let me ask you this, though. So, like, I mean, right now it's a 2% loan to um, basically ensure that you have your full employee count and all that, right? But let's say they don't adhere to that. I mean, is it uh, is there like a higher interest rate that they have to pay back this loan from or, it, you know, how did that how does that work? Yeah, good question. I, I did, wasn't able to find as much language on this part of the bill, um, to be honest. And I would imagine there's going to be some penalties if you are utilizing this funds for other things um but like, some, like a day, ceo's bonus or something like that or, yeah, or like a, exactly. a stock buyback or something you know i mean that that would just exactly. piss off a lot of people <laughs> exactly and it's interesting you mentioned the executive or ceo bonuses because they actually put restrictions on this towards the end of the negotiations for this bill because specifically they were they wanted to ensure that the trump company did not benefit from this which i thought was kind of funny <laughs> the democrats really didn't want uh, the Trump Corporation to be able to say, well, I'm just going to get this loan to bring back or hire CEOs, etc. It is, again, a tricky situation because you give all this money, yet you put all these restrictions. Um, does it really end up helping or does it stop them from even applying for the loan and therefore more people go out and uh, lose their jobs, etc. Right, right. I mean, so why don't you tell us some of the requirements for this? I mean, uh, we mentioned, I mean, just keeping your your workforce intact, but was, are there any other requirements that they have to make Yeah, sure? so you can't, you, you can't outsource for at least two years after this loan is repaid. So, again, that same theme of ensuring that people not only get their jobs, but they keep their jobs. And if you're going to tap into the U.S. government, then you need to support U.S. employees. That's really what this message is. Is this loan also a two-year loan like the for the small business or is it a, a different length? 
it is a you know again not not as much information on this either and i i apologize i don't have that too much of that here listed i don't even know if it is through the sba or not i mean, imagine um it would be through not through the sba because these are not small businesses right i mean i don't know is, oh that's right is, is there like a right. bba like big business association <laughs> no then exactly you're absolutely right so it has to be through the federal government and if that's the case there's got to be a, a length of time on on these loans as well but um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to find that information on the website. Yeah, because I'm kind of curious to see like how big of a loan they can get from this, right? I mean, I would imagine there's a similar formula as uh, you know, like two months uh, payroll plus whatever percentage. But I, I would exactly. I, I would imagine something similar like that would happen here too. But I would imagine like the, the number the f- number of values here would be a lot bigger because um, there's a because I, I would imagine payroll also includes like health and all that too, right? It's not just your paycheck. Correct. Payroll taxes, um, you know, Social Security, all the things that go into processing payroll would be included. And that's a good chunk of money. Gotcha. Well. Yeah. Because I know like, uh, I mean, that, in some cases that could even double somebody's uh, salary because of all these other benefits that you're adding on top of that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's kind of what that loan is. But uh, I, there were, uh, there was to wrap up here, kind of a few specific ones that I thought were interesting, which was there was outside of these loan programs, there was actually direct stimulus given to key impacted industries. And I'm sure you can guess on these van, but passenger air carriers being one of them, right? No one's traveling. U.S. uh, domestic airlines have been uh, slashing their flights. Uh, There was a direct investment of $25 billion. They didn't call it a bailout. They called it a stimulus, (laughs) Um, but $25 billion to support the industry, $4 billion for cargo air carriers. Um, And they also put another direct uh, stimulus of $3 billion for what they call contractors for airports and airline industry partners, including travel agents. So are these all loans or are they like grants or what are these exactly? Yeah, these are direct stimulus grants. They're, they're not meant to be repaid back. Um, really? Uh, wow. These are these are things to kind of ensure that these businesses are staying afloat and they do not uh, go under because they are a key part of you know what they call essential for the economy to grow again once we are past the the crisis if you will they did put in here and i put this in here because i thought it was interesting that they did put a loan specifically written as business is critical to maintaining national security which was specifically for boeing and its suppliers so there is definitely a, an invested interest in getting these airlines and airline industry getting them back online because you know i was telling van uh, kind of offline about how the cruise industry isn't listed here and they've been impacted the most right absolutely um, clearly they didn't have the lobbyists whoever they're paying is not strong <laughs> so it's it's challenging Jeez. it's absolutely challenging for uh, for a lot of people do you know other defense contractors and all that are included in the 17 billion dollar because i would imagine that other contractors like lockheed or raytheon and all those guys would call this a foul and say hey like why are you guys bailing out boeing yeah, when right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're hurting over here well, too, they're saying right? yeah well this one is a loan so it's not a direct um stimulus so they do have to pay it back but to your point they're getting access to quite a bit of money on a probably a very friendly loan rate. I didn't see those listed and I, the articles that I read were specifically saying that this was earmarked for Boeing. But when it says it's suppliers, I'm wondering 
would would a Lockheed be potentially a supplier? No, right? You know this better than I do. A lot of these companies, they kind of they kind of work with each other a lot of times. Like let's say, like when okay. you build like a fighter aircraft, I mean, even though the government like awards uh, certain fighter aircrafts to uh, you know one company, you know a lo- that fighter aircraft has a lot of components in there or a lot of like subsystems that could be contracted out to places like Boeing or other contractors gotcha. and all that. So, I mean, they, they all kind of work together in some ways, but it just, again, it just depends on the project and all that. But, you know, with Boeing itself, I, I can understand why they give uh, Boeing this kind of, this essentially bailout in a way, because, you know, because if you look at all of their suppliers and all that, I mean, if you look at, you know, uh, when they build like those, um, you know, 737s or what whatever aircraft they're building, every nuts and bolts and all that comes from some suppliers. So, I mean, each it's just there's just like a it's like a web of suppliers that if Boeing goes down, then there's going to be a lot of people that would be hurting. Uh, and that's gotcha. and it's probably like in yep. the thousands of companies that will be, you know, com- subcontractors that will be hurting. If this is the case. So I, I would think this is the, this is probably the reason for that. But I'm just kind of surprised that none of the other uh, defense contractors are here calling foul at this. Yeah. Yeah. And they may be, you know, to be honest, I, I just, the way that I, the way that they wrote this one specifically was that it was very much, everybody knew it didn't say Boeing, but it was Boeing and the, the importance of having that, you know, so that's, that's kind of the, the business side of it in a nutshell, Dan. I mean, um, it, it's again, at the end of the day, there's a lot of uh, good that's happening, I think, on the business side to try to get the business economy and, and, you know, the environment to be much more positive. But until people really feel comfortable going outside and shopping and it really, there's only so much this, this bill is going to do. The, the best solution is still people uh, spending capital either in buying stuff for themselves, etc. I'm going to ask you this question, Kevin, because I, I, I was never the economist. I never took in any economy classes and all that. And I know like mm-hmm. um, to me, like I've always seen a lot of a uh, few articles of people having a fear that this, you know, this $4 trillion that they're injecting in here is going to cause like mass uh, hyperinflation and all that stuff. And I know you, you had an economics background, at, at least when you went to UC Irvine, right? So I'm kind of curious, like, I mean, do you think this would potentially cause, um, you know, uh, hyperinflation and all that? Or what are your thoughts? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I, it's so hard to tell because this this is such an unprecedented situation where in a normal time, you're thinking, okay, if the government decides to put this much money into the economy, it's going to, it's for sure going to cause this. I mean, I've never seen the Fed so, in, so active in monetary policy to try to jumpstart the economy. And I think if they're taking those actions, I would imagine they have accounted for the fact that, hey, the the downside risk, there could be a risk of this. But I think they see the economy so stagnant right now that it doesn't, you know, and I think they're saying we have to step in because nobody else is. Nobody in the world is buying right now. No, you know, and we have to basically become the U.S. consumer for every consumer out there because they're not they're not moving the needle Interesting, uh, because okay. literally stores are closing. I remember in my class, you know, it's been a while, but I do remember the importance of calculate GDP government spending as a big chunk of that, you know, but it was always, you know, GDP equals consumer spending, you know, and all these other things, trades and everything where well, you're taking one component of that equation out because consumer spending is low right now. And, government spending is i think trying to offset that they're trying to increase their spend to try to cover but but it's 
I don't know. I, 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 what do you? Th- I mean, to me, it seems like. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't. I never really put an economist hat on because I never claimed to be an economist by any means. But it seems like to me that what they're trying to really stave off is a, it really a deflation, right? Because a lot of people through this are kind of flocking towards cash and like um, the you know basically you know there since nobody's buying and all that like everything is coming to um, you know to a screaming halt. Um, you know, a little yeah. bit of in, like, you know, because hyperinflation to me always means that when your economy is like going like, you know, white hot and like people are just buying, buying, buying because things are keep going uh, higher in prices and all that. And there's just high demand on certain things. But right now, it seems like there's really not a lot of demand on a lot of things. So in a way, like they're trying to like kind of spur on some more little bit because you know, you know, they always say like what a little bit of inflation is always good because it that's, drives the economy to grow and grow. But I mean, too much of that is, is bad, but then too little, uh, like not enough of uh, inflation is also bad as well, just because, you know, it's kind of what the Great Depression was in the 1930s. That, that was basically a deflation, right? So to me like it seems like a deflation is always going to be way worse than like a uh, like a moderately inflated uh, economy yeah dan what what are your thoughts on how the stock market is doing and how does that impact you think in in all of this uh, well, I think that with the stock market, it seems like, you know, whenever there's any kind of n- bit of news um, like uh, that would that's positive or negative, it just changes. Right. And like right now, I mean, I'm just seeing, you know, I, I don't really uh, we're not really experiencing swings where it's like, you know, 10 percent swings each day. But I, I've seen like more like, you know, maybe 4 percent up and then maybe the next day is like 3 percent down and the next day is maybe 2 percent down. But it's not like, you know, it's definitely not flat by, by any means. Um, it's just kind of yeah. there's still swings, but it's just not as big of a swings that we saw like earlier in this crisis yeah i mean I, i'm the optimist and i i'm still in the belief that you know if you buy and hold you're going to be able to recover from this uh, much like we've had in previous <laughs> years and all that but you know that's just my best guess just you know on how we've dealt with a crisis in the past but like you said this is unprecedented and all that so i mean it's never a guarantee in anything but you know to me i'm, I'm still the eternal optimist and i think we will pull through. i think this time next year at least i'm hoping let's put it that way this time next year i mean this would just be like oh man did you remember the coronavirus <laughs> you know just yeah. and like all the time it you were really home is. yeah so yeah i mean it, it, i mean i really hope that you know by june or july this is like all done and behind us but who knows <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll see it's, who knows we can, yeah. we can always hope for the best really right is. absolutely yeah it's that's uh, yeah it's 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 pretty crazy i have to say but but the government's trying to do something and hopefully uh if if more stimulus uh, or more guidance is given i think van and i will continue to try to give you guys timely updates on this stuff but if you guys have again questions on topics or just questions on how the stimulus bill might be impacting individuals or businesses please reach out to us at a word about wealth at gmail.com and we certainly will be happy to answer those questions. Yeah, and uh, please continue to rate and review us. Um, like to, you know, if you guys can share this with uh, all your friends, family, uh, I don't know, maybe some of your pets as well, um, just so that we can uh, continue to put us higher in the charts and all that so other folks can find us a lot easier. Perfect. Well, thank you guys. We'll see you guys later. All right. Take care and stay safe, everyone.